Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Election Day, November 8th, 2022. The red wave should be upon us. I am dressed appropriately, and you should be as well. <laughs> Wear your red today. Get out. If you haven't already done so, get out to the polls today. Make sure that you cast your ballot. Make sure that your ballot counts. Uh, make sure that you are filling it out properly and vote for the candidates that make the most sense for you. I know that we have a wide range of uh, viewers of this podcast, some of some of whom uh, are Democrats and might want to vote for Democrats. I, I want everybody to turn out. So everybody turn out, vote, vote your conscience, get out there, but let's make the red wave happen. And let's make sure that we are electing people who will hold this uh, administration accountable Obviously, this is the big story of the day. We've got other stories that we're covering. Uh, for instance, apparently the death of Twitter has been greatly exaggerated. I've got something up on that this morning. But we're, we're, we're sticking mostly with uh, election coverage. And tonight we're going to have a ton of election coverage. Everyone is going to be on hand. Uh, all of the writers, including Beej, uh, will be doing live blogging. And we'll, all, we'll each be focusing on specific races so there should be six live blogs going on simultaneously at Hot Air, which is tons of fun. You can flip back and forth between the different posts and see what's going on in each race. Obviously, as you know, we're going to be doing this as things develop. So you will see um, different updates at different times. So you should have plenty of opportunity to see where we're at. And by the way, the, the results of these races will be embedded in those live blog posts. You will see the results as they're coming in. We've got widgets from Decision Desk HQ, uh, which will count those votes, and they're very fast. Decision Desk HQ is uh, perhaps the fastest uh, reporting uh, uh, site or or you know system company on election results. So you're going to get the latest uh, by sticking with us at Hot Air and other town hall sites. By the way, I should mention our sister sites, of course, Town Hall, Bearing Arms, Twitchy, Red State. Uh, be, at PJ Media, be sure to uh, stay on top of all of them. And uh, Instapundit too, by the way, which is part of PJ Media. So I don't want to leave them out. Um, but we're all going to have the embeds in there. So you're going to be able to follow along with the news, along with the updates, along with our instant analysis. It's going to be a long night, hopefully a very good one. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And by the way, while we're talking about this week, this is VIP week. And I want to talk about VIP week a little bit before we get into the daily briefing here. Uh, VIP week, we got a special promo code if you're going to join um, VIP. And, and let me tell you something. It's more important now than ever to do this, especially when you see what's going on with the Department of Homeland Security trying to combine up with social media platforms to curtail free speech, to suppress dissent. Um, and we we saw it in the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story, which got suppressed. Uh, you've got uh, the DHS plan now is to weigh in on all sorts of different different topics, like Joe Biden's departure from Afghanistan, the you know anything that has to do with racial justice, climate change. They want to flag disinformation. And basically what they want to do is they want to be able to control the information space. Well, we're not going to let them do that. And our VIP members aren't going to let them do it either. So this week, if you haven't already signed up, uh, you can sign up uh, at um, our, our VIP. We'll have, I'll have a link in the show post here, um, which will be wrapped up into uh, a, a look at John Fetterman standing in uh, John Fetterman, Mehmet Oz uh, standing in the Pennsylvania Senate race. 
Use the promo code VIP Week, all caps, VIP Week, one word, VIP Week. You'll get forty five percent off of of the um of of the cost. That's our be- that's the best promo we've ever run on subscriptions. And let me tell you, it's not because we're not getting subscriptions. We just uh, w- want to celebrate the third anniversary of our VIP VIP Gold program. And we want to we want to get as many people included in that as possible. Uh, we're getting tons of signups these days because I think people who read Hot Air and our town hall media sites understand the very precarious nature of the moment that we're in in terms of free speech, dissent, and uh, and and policy disputes. Uh, so be sure to sign up. VIP Week is the promo code for forty five percent off. All right. So what's going on today? First off, I've already talked about the live blogs that will happen tonight. Uh, all of us will be doing it. Uh, my live blog is actually going to focus on Nevada and Colorado. So I'll just tell you that, that that's what I assigned myself, Nevada and Colorado. Um, and I think both of those are probably not going to be terribly close. I think Laxalt's going to blow out uh, Cortez Masto in Nevada. And unfortunately, I think Bennett's probably going to win uh, with, with some votes to spare against Joe O'Day. I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm crossing my fingers that I'm going to have two red um, states in, in my live blog, but I'll also be, my, my post will also have the national tracking. So if you want to see where races have been called and what the, you know, what the uh, status is for control of the house and Senate, and also the gubernatorial races, you can look at my live blog, but everybody's going to be doing them. And I, I tried to get some of the more fun, um, the more fun contest farmed out to the other folks, because yeah, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, the glory hog. <laughs> so, you can, you can check mine out, but make sure to be checking everybody's because they're going to have great commentary. They're going to have lots of updates for you, starting almost immediately with Jazz. So Jazz will be first up because he's handling the Northeast, uh, New York, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania. Uh, then Beach is going to be uh, touching off with Florida and North Carolina. Then I think it's uh, David in the upper Midwest, Karen in the South, including Texas's gubernatorial race. Um, um, then me. Um, and then... Um, uh, John Sexton is going to be doing the West Coast, um, including Arizona, uh, that Oregon gubernatorial race. The Washington Senate race might be interesting. So uh, keep an eye out on that. Uh, uh, Tiffany Smiley sort of creeping up on um, on Patty Murray. So that's coming up tonight. And we're going to be doing this. I don't know that we're going to be doing it until all the races are called, because, of course, we're hearing that some of these races may not be called for a couple of days just depending on how fast you can get these votes counted and how close these races are. But I can guarantee you we're going to be working pretty far into the night tonight. This is uh, this is our big night of, uh, of every two years. And so we're prepared for it. And we're hoping that you're going to be coming along with us on that. Um, I, I mentioned that um, in today's show post, I'm going to be talking about a um, the status of the Oz Fetterman race in Pennsylvania. And that's because... 538 had a sudden shift towards Oz that doesn't appear to be predicated on polling shifts. I mean, it's a really dramatic one. David Strom is the one who pointed it out to me at first. So I'm looking at that. And I'm also going to be, you know, uh, looking at some of the other data. They also have now, uh, 538 has shifted the overall Senate prediction to something around 56% chance of Republicans controlling the Senate at the end of this. Um, last night in my VIP post, which I put up late at night, um, I predicted 245 in the in the House and 52 in the Senate for Republicans. Uh, I think that that's actually 52 is it may be a little cautious. Um, I'm actually a little nervous 
because I've been burned before on polling and I want to make sure that I don't get out over my skis. Of all people, of all people, Hugh Hewitt uh, accused me of irrational exuberance. It was a private conversation. I'm sure Hugh doesn't mind me, me saying because he was teasing me about it. Um, he thinks it's going to be a little short of that. I think, you know, Henry Olson over at the Washington Post thinks it's going to be a little bit more than that. He, he thinks it's 256, excuse me, 246, 246 in the House and 54 in the Senate. Um, now, I don't know. I mean, it may not matter much between 52 and 54, or it might just depending on who's being elected, uh, because you have to herd cats again. Um, if you get close to 51 or 52 votes and things, odd things happen and Chuck Schumer can give you chapter and verse on that. Um, but if it's 54, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit more of a breathe easy type of situation for Mitch McConnell or whoever ends up as, um, the Senate majority leader, assuming Republicans do take control, but also Republicans have a real opportunity to expand that in 2024 because those numbers flip around. They actually are at a disadvantage in this cycle. Don't forget that they're defending 10 more seats than Democrats are. Well, in 2024, Democrats are defending 10 or 11 more seats than Republicans are. And most of those are in red states, um, like Montana would be an example. And that is going to be a really difficult um, uh, election cycle for Democrats then as well. Uh, now, there's plenty of other uh, commentary here. I've got uh, a post that was up a little earlier today. You'll probably have already seen this about the spin that's already coming out of the White House on um, on a midterm disaster, how these things are usually catastrophic. Um, <laughs> they're not actually usually catastrophic. They've been more catastrophic lately, but that's because presidents tend to misread mandates more often in, in recent days, recent years than they have in the past. Um, I do talk about why this particular environment is so bad for Democrats and why I think it's why I think that the White House is really expecting it to be bad and probably maybe not even as bad as it might actually get. Um, so we talk I talk a little bit about that. Some of this is um, uh, you know covering from things that I've written before, but I think today it's good to have all these uh, primers up. But I'm not the only person writing and I don't want to just focus on what I'm doing. Uh, Jazz Shaw has a great piece up on why NBC always gets the generic ballots wrong. Um, David, uh, David Strom talks about ABC's prediction of a red mirage, which I think is worth talking about just a little bit here. Um, the red mirage is the fact that in states with a lot of mail-in ballots where they don't count the mail-in ballots first, um, Election day results tend to be a lot more Republican. And so when you see this, you see Republicans going into the lead, then as the mail-in ballots get counted, that lead can dissipate. And that's what happened in Pennsylvania, for instance, in 2020. And it makes people very unhappy when that happens. But you do have to understand that there is something to that red mirage um, uh, issue. It's just a, we have to remember, we have to remind people that in a lot of these states, they don't count these ballots prior to the polls closing. Um, and they don't count them first after the polls close. They generally count them, the sequences down the road a bit. Now, we also have to remember that Republicans actually wanted it to be that way, especially in Pennsylvania. A lot of times Republicans don't want these ballots counted ahead of time. Uh, and so they've set the state rules up for that. Um, there's a whole other issue to be talked about, about how 
we count ballots in the United States and how we're using systems that don't allow for rapid and um, and accurate counting, um, especially with mail-in ballots, which really is an issue. And we should really rethink all the early voting and mail-in voting that we're doing. It's a, probably a debate that we're going to have to have in the next session of Congress. Uh, because it's it's kind of silly that it takes days and sometimes a couple of weeks to find out who won elections. This is, it's, it's, there are plenty of states where that's not the case. Minnesota is a great example of this. Minnesota uses paper ballots uh, that are optically scanned, so they're easy to count. The paper ballots are still remain if you need to do a hand count. And you can find out within a few hours who won all the all of the elections in the state, all of them. And that's the way it really should be nationwide. But it's up to each state to adopt those policies. <clears throat> so that's part of that. Um, uh, goodness, Karen Townsend uh, talks about how Ted Cruz got hit, <laughs> hit with a beer can at a rally. Uh, that's uh, political violence that probably won't be running at the top of the national news broadcasts. Um, and uh, Jess, Jess got a fun post up on UFOs, by the way. You, you probably should uh, look at that. Uh, it's coming up, actually, after this podcast goes live. Um, Karen's also looking at uh, the Department of Justice trying to deploy election monitors to 24 states. Um, also, um, uh, what's going on in the mayor's race in Los Angeles, which is a really interesting story. Uh <laughs> Beach has a fun story later today about Powerball and how they couldn't get the count done. They couldn't do the they couldn't do the draw last night. Uh, so a whole bunch of people were waiting around for the retirement plan to to uh, mature. <laughs> we had to wait an extra day. I don't even know at this point in time. I don't even know if anybody has actually won that. So um, you know we'll 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 see how that works. All right. Coming up next is Selena Zito, who's been one of the best reporters in the in, over the last several years at being on the ground and discussing what's actually happening with voters. I talked to her a lot about Pennsylvania, and so um, we're going to talk a lot about Pennsylvania. We're also going to talk a little bit about Blake Masters. She sees Oz and Masters coming on strong at the end here, um, and you know she talks a little bit about the 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 obstacles that they're going to have as well. So you're going to want to hear what Selena has to say. She's out on the road even today. Uh, we recorded this actually on Friday, uh, and she's had a couple columns since then. I'll probably include them in the show post. But Selena's the clearest um, reporter, I think, on how voters outside of the mainstream media bubble actually think and are responding. And so you're going to want to listen to what Selena has to say coming up next. We'll also have one more pitch for um, VIP memberships. I will say, though, uh, that make sure that you're using VIP week as your promo code this week. You get 45% off. So be sure to do that. Thanks for listening. I'm Ed Morrissey. Here's Selena Zito. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Joining me. My friend, Selena Zito, the reporter whose finger is on the pulse of middle America, has always been on the pulse of middle America, and maybe this might be her uh, shining moment, actually, in terms of this particular election cycle. See, she's laughing already, but it's true. I mean, she is, she's really, um, her, her approach to reporting, I think, is really going to contrast with the assumptions being made by mainstream media more so in this cycle than I think in any other. And Selena, first off, great talking with you again. 
also awesome talking to you. Um, you know, I, I love covering midterms the best because it's about a bunch of different people, right? Um, and and all kinds of different places, towns, cities, big cities, small towns, farming towns, and and um, and I don't know. There's just a richness to understanding communities and people. Um, and also some of the, you know, more interesting people that are running, uh, for, for office. So midterms is my jam. <laughs> there you go. Midterms is Selena's jam. And of course, selenazito.com is where you find all the links to what she's doing. She's over at the Washington Examiner, still doing a column for the New York Post. Um, she does syndication and we might have some news on syndication over at Hot Air with Selena's stuff. Oh, cool. Uh, not, I like not, news. If it's good news, I, I like it, it even be, better. It would be good news. We're we're still working on that, but uh, you know, I, I, you belong. You belong on our pages. That's all I'm going to say for right now. So you know, stay <laughs> tuned. Stay tuned on that. Um, but um, you know, obviously, we're going to talk to you about Pennsylvania because you know the the Senate race there is. It could be the key to control of the Senate. It's the wildest. A race I think that we've seen in this entire cycle, uh, maybe even wilder than, you know, Don Balduck in um, New Hampshire. And I don't want to necessarily limit it to Pennsylvania because I know you're all over the place, but you know, Pennsylvania is home for you. And I know that you know it better yeah. than anybody else. What are you seeing in Pennsylvania in that Senate race? So I have seen the odd struggles from the very right out of the gate. It was a brutal primary. Right. And and he really had um, uh, had a lot of negatives to overcome. And and I will tell you, he has not overcome a decent proportion portion of them either. So but I saw th there was a decision made by Oz probably one week after the primary was called where he was just going to get in his car and go across the, the, the state. 67 counties. It didn't matter what the place was, whether it was a small town, large town, big city, farming community, um, a majority, minority community. He went there. Sometimes he went announced. Sometimes he just walked, got out of the car and started talking to people. Uh, and, and he um, he did this largely unnoticed by my profession which I think is the most interesting thing. Yep. People would say, oh, that's, you know, he's doing that for a photo op. Most of the time I was the only person there. Uh, now that John Fetterman sneezed, there were 32 reporters standing there to capture it. <laughs> and that's not even a, like an exaggeration. Right. That, I, I, I wish it was an exaggeration, but it's not. And, and so Oz built up a lot of goodwill by by um, going out there and taking taking that risk, you know, putting it out there, listening to people, taking some uh, some guff at times. Uh, but, you know, I thought it was I thought he had no other choice but to do it. And he wisely decided to do that. Conversely, everyone knows that John Fetterman has been recovering from a stroke. Um, that's not his problem. No, his problem is. And I've reported extensively on this. That's why everybody should go to SelenaZio.com. Yes. Check out all the work I've done. But um, John Fetterman is not at all whatever the image that he has created over the years um, to sort of showcase himself as a guy that has like dirt under his fingernails and calluses on his hands and, wor and, and is like a working stiff like the rest of you. Not true. 
Uh, now, nobody begrudges anybody growing up with wealth, um, and, and Fetterman did that. Right. But the image is flawed in that he was never that person, the imagery he tried to um, uh, create. Uh, but also, he didn't do the things in Braddock that all these glossy stories, New Yorker and Vanity Fair and, and the Atlantic um, proclaimed. He didn't save the town. I've been covering him from 2006. Braddock is worse under his um, job as the mayor. The crime is up. The population has dropped by 40 percentage points. I mean, it is just astounding that nobody's ever picked away at what um, at what he did. And he also, his, you know, in terms of this work ethic image, you know, his parents paid for his salary for the past 19, now I can't add, 14 years. Right. That That is that is not that is that is a fallacy in that image, and he also, in terms of working hard as the mayor, he missed uh, the bulk of the city council meetings when he was mayor. Um, the small businesses that you know, and this, by the way, this is not my opinion. I have a great New York Post piece where I just go up and down Braddock Avenue and talk to people, and they're like, oh, "I've never seen him. He never came and knocked on the door of my business." He didn't make my town better. And and they're sort of tired of being portrayed as this down on its knees place, not because it's not down on its knees, but that he somehow rescued it and lifted it up. And and so th- that image has has taken a beating after several reporters or, or maybe just me, actually just me, um, <laughs> uncovered, you know, reported out the actual truth right and and voters are all of a sudden like well, he didn't show up uh, and then there's of course chasing the black jogger down the street who was jogging yes. while black and holding a shotgun to his chest um until the police got there and has never apologized for it yeah, in fact, never. he's had the opportunity on in this campaign to do that. I mean, and he says, "Well, you know, I thought I, I still think what I was, you know, given the uh, the information I was working with, I did the right thing." Which you know, is insane to say no. something like that. If a Republican no. said that, Selena in in Pennsylvania or anywhere else, um, <laughs> that they they might lose uh, the election by you know catastrophic <laughs> margins, right? The media certainly well, would never have dropped it. If put aside, even if a Republican said it. Right. If your average person just said it, Democrat, Republican, or independent, yeah, and never apologized, the amount of scorn and shame that you would you would have at that moment would never leave you until you make. We all have to apologize in life. We also we all apologize sometimes for things we only got half wrong. But that that's the not the only problem in the black community. There was a nightclub that um, he didn't particularly care for. So at two o'clock in the morning, I guess he didn't think that everybody has cameras now. He went up to the the sign on the nightclub and changed it to read that it's closed permanently. Yeah. Of course, the camera caught it. And the next day, we're all standing there, all the local reporters. I was working at the Pittsburgh Tribune Review at the time. And and he's like, yeah, I changed it. They're, I, I don't want them to open. Like, what? You know, there's a lot of things we don't like, but there's a due process. 
you know, you can't just go and change a, a, a close a business down because you don't like it. Right. Um, and, and even even if you look at his at his problems as uh, lieutenant governor, he um, has I think it was uh, has only showed up for half of his du- uh, duties. I don't think it was that much. I think it was more like a third. Yeah, that was a third. He's only yeah. he's only showed up for a third, and that's not counting since he's had his stroke. Um, so I mean, so this idea that he is the symbolic of a work ethic is laughable at at best. And then he didn't pay to he didn't pay property taxes. He didn't pay property taxes, and those are the taxes that go, and, and school district taxes. Those are the the monies that go to one of the poorest school districts in the country. And he didn't pay them for over a decade. Yeah. Because he's entitled. I've never, I've never felt, I've never seen anything like this. And I've, I've never been more disappointed in my, in my profession for not being honest about it. And I think the most, the, the third, the most important thing is that he has not been transparent at all about his health. Right. When he had the stroke, the wrote the not only did the press not find out about it until three days later, the governor's office didn't find out until three days later, placing the state in a constitutional um, uh, crisis. He he did not tell anyone he had um, a heart condition for five years, despite running um, two times for major office, and and he has not disclosed his health currently. He he had got a doctor's excuse from a primary care physician who is his donor, but the voters need to know from his not just from a neurologist in terms of his stroke, but also from a cardiologist. He has a serious heart condition that it was that if left unaddressed puts you on a transplant list. Right. Yeah. So. So uh, that was a really long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is exactly, no, I mean, this is exactly the answers I was looking for. You just, you're <laughs> such a good journalist. You already know what questions I'm going to ask. Besides which, we've known each other for too long. You know what questions I'm going to ask. Um, yes. And again, selenazito.com is where you can find links to the stories that we're going to discuss here today. So make sure you go over there and then take a look, scroll down just a little bit. And there's a fabulous, um, there's a fabulous portrait shot of Selena Zito. You see it on the screen right now. I, the photographer who took it must have just been, you know, spectacular, Selena. I, I I don't know what to say. Um. <laughs> it's one of those rare moments that I was actually coiffed. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been coiffed in I haven't been coiffed in thirty years, man. I, you, you well, have nothing to complain about. <laughs> usually, my hair looks like Roseanne, Rosanna Danner. So um, I, I want to use that photo till the end of time. <laughs> there you go, and it's yours. You know, I, I I I took it for you. It's yours to use as long as you want. Um, all right. So, what are you seeing in terms of voter response? And I, I want to make this a little bit more specific because, again, getting back to the media coverage of this. Almost immediately after the debate, you had all sorts of media outlets, including Fox News for some reason, who were declaring that the debate had didn't have any impact on the race. The debate didn't have any impact on the race. Well, we've seen two or three polls coming out in the last two days. Susquehanna, I think uh, Remington, and maybe Emerson as well, saying, yeah, in fact, we saw a significant change in the approach yeah. of voters after this debate. And how could you not? After watching that debate, that debate was painful. I didn't watch it live. I 
I was on vacation. <laughs> we were discussing that before we went on, before we started recording this. Um, I didn't watch it live, but I, you know, I went through some of the clips and I mean, it was astounding how anybody on that campaign thought it was a good idea to put him on stage in a live interaction with uh, hosts and with Mehmet Oz, who I thought handled the situation with as much grace and class as you possibly can do in a debate, because obviously you're there to win the debate. But um, I was astounded. And I thought this is an inflection point. And I think we're starting to see that now. Did you get that sense from people that you're talking to, voters that you're talking to in Pennsylvania? Yeah. So funny story. Um, I was going, I drove out with a photographer to cover the debate in Harrisburg. It's about a three hour drive. Um, had, got there, got to the, it's a tent. Right. And we weren't allowed in the room and it was nothing but a bunch of other journalists. And I'm like, well, I don't want to watch the debate here. I'm not going to learn anything. And, and so I packed up the car and drove all because I got there at like four o'clock. So right. drove all the way back. Cause of course you have to be there at an ungodly early hour. So I drove all the way back and watched it at the bar. And, and I thought it was fascinating. I'm so glad I did it because the most important thing I learned from it is a lot of voters um, hadn't been paying attention with the same amount of intensity that I would or you would. Right. Um, and, and they hadn't, they knew that he had a stroke. They've, they've seen clips here and there of his four minute speeches and they see that he's struggling, but it doesn't look that bad. It looks bad, but not that bad. Um, and with the exception of myself and Dasha Burns at NBC News, no one has been, has reported on his condition at all in a meaningful way. And I have been shoulder to shoulder with other reporters who have seen the exact same thing that I have, and they just don't mention it. Yeah. And so voters are sitting down expecting awkwardness, but not, not what they saw. And they were pissed. Yeah. They were pissed at my profession. They were pissed at Democrats who like Bobby Casey, who's up there pretending that everything is fine and says he did a terrific job um, <laughs> at NBC News afterwards and uh, MSNBC um, clip afterwards. And and they're they're insulted. They're mad. They're angry that that people have kept this from him from them. Yeah, they should be. I mean, that's the, the reason why you have the reason why we have a free press is so that they can report on the facts. Right. And, you know, offer opinions and all that kind of stuff. You know, all that stuff is in the mix, too. But I mean, you start with the facts. And what I find really interesting about the media these days, and I think it's gotten a lot worse over the last couple of years, maybe 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 ever since the 2016 election, is that. Anything that goes outside the narrative is somehow a conspiracy theory and and should be not just rebuked, but shut down. And we had some of that with the with the coverage of Fetterman, where people were saying, you know, uh, you know, we need to know that he's doing OK. Well, no, you don't. No, no, no. He says he's fine. He's doing fine. And then when Dasha Burns comes out, they try to basically drum her out of the business Kudos to Savannah yeah. Guthrie, by the way, on the Today Show for bringing her on. Let Dasha Burns speak, you know, push back against that. Um, of course, it's yeah, it was good, but also Savannah wasn't all that nice to her either. True, true. 
but um, but at least she gave her the opportunity to to speak to speak up. And I mean, you had people saying, "Oh, it, she's being ableist." <laughs> what the hell does that mean? She's being ableist. I mean, it's I had it's to look the word up. I don't know what the heck they were talking about. What the hell is ableist? So who talks like that? No, you know, I don't know anybody who talks like nobody that. Nobody talks like that, unless you're in they academia. Have to, they, there's, there's an ist out of ist or ism after every word these days, and and I just can't keep up with the categories. You know, Selena, I often think of you as a quaffist. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, SelenaZito.com, By the way, just to throw that back in there one more time. I, you know, I don't want to necessarily keep staying on. Um, on um, Pennsylvania, because I know you're doing some other great stuff. You got to call them up about Blake Masters. I want to touch on that. We got a couple of minutes. I want to talk on what's, what you're seeing with the Blake Masters and and how that works in this environment, and maybe just a quick mention of what you thought about Joe Biden's speech earlier this week uh, when he had one last chance to pitch midterm voters and chose to go back to that just awful independent speech, Independence Hall speech. Um, uh, I thought Blake Masters has matured as a candidate, um, and uh, I think Kerry Leak has helped bring him over. Yeah. He's this your sort of young technocrat. Um, he's a millennial, so you know millennials; they, they know everything. Um, so <laughs> you know, he, he, it's and 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 have being the mother of two, I understand that. Although um, I didn't let them get away with that too much, um, but yeah, I think he wins. I think Blake Masters wins. Um, I think Adam Laxalt wins. I think Herschel Walker wins. Um, mm. uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, Don I Bolduck. Think Herschel what do you think? What do you think about Don Bolduck in New Hampshire? I'm actually sort of optimistic about that one. Yeah. Um, so it's like the one state I haven't been to, and I'm super bummed out because <laughs> I usually get up to New Hampshire. That's a great place. Um, but I didn't get to. Yeah, I didn't get to New Hampshire this year. And, um, yeah, look, everything's on the table. Everything is on yeah, the table. And I, I think there'll be a bunch of surprises. I think it'll be 30 plus seats. Um, and you have to remember that is on top of 15 seats that they won two years ago that nobody talked about that red wave in 2020 that happened down ballot with, with house seats. That's right. Everyone expected them to visit, lose between 20 to 25. They flipped that on their heels. And you have to remember, voters were under a lot of pressure in 2020. Voters were told um, that everyone is a racist, that everyone needs to atone for their sins. People, every other neighbor had a hate has no place here sign in their yard. And there was a lot of cultural pressures coming, not just from their peers, but also corporate America, um, from anywhere from the NFL to Coca-Cola um, to just name a corporation, they were scolding you. So if they were able to 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 buck up against that pressure in 2020 and the pressure that they're receiving now in 2022, it stands to reason that it will be at least 30 seats, if not more, in the house. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking the same thing. And I mean, there was this really great Gallup uh, analysis. I, I think it was yesterday, the day before yesterday. We're recording this on a Friday. It was either Wednesday or Thursday of this week that Gallup put out this analysis of the of what I've been talking about all along, right? And I, I know we got to let you go here in just a minute, but just want to get this out there. I've been I've been arguing for months now that this political environment is way different than anything we've seen in a very long time, with high inflation, high crime, and an extremely unpopular president, both 
both on job approval and now on personal likability, this is the worst political environment I've seen in my adult life. I mean, you really have to go back to 1980. And that's, this has been my yeah. argument. And, um, and I think that Gallup poll really, really lays that out. Is that the same thing that you're seeing is that maybe people are basing their analyses this time, including pollsters on the idea that this is sort of like a 20, you know, 2010, 2014, 2018 type of cycle. I don't think it's any of those. No, I've long said that it's been like 1980 and I always rely on Gallup because it's, it's, it really gets in depth about the psyche of the person um, on, on day-to-day life as opposed to just politics. Yep. And that's what's important about um, um, following this Gallup tracking. Don't follow it on political preferences. Follow it on what's impacting people's daily lives. And, and that's what this election has been about. Look, I, I, would, I would contend, if I had to encapsulate this year, I, I thought since, since, this, since August of 2021, when, when um, Biden made that decision in Afghanistan, um, all the way up until July of this year, everything was going in the Republicans' direction. There was a slight pause. I'm not saying they were going towards Democrats. But there was a pause, but the pause didn't last that long. And you know what broke the pause? It was that god awful speech that he gave at Independence Hall. Yeah, he broke his own party's back at that moment. Look, there may be voters out there that are going. They were thinking about voting Republican this time um, that didn't vote for Trump, but have family members or neighbors, or people they work for, or people they work with, or people who work for them who voted for Trump, and they don't think they're, they, these people want to take away democracy. Yep. But that's how the Democrats have portrayed them. That's very off-putting to, a, to, a, to an average voter who doesn't consume politics in the way that we do. There's a psychology there that they just completely overshot. And and I think that it's just been um, it's it's just been astounding to me. And so that moment there, that was September first. That moment there, everything started rushing towards Republicans. That's when Oz started to really gain steam. Now it, it wasn't just about Biden; they were also learning about all the things about about Fetterman. And I right. really hope. Your listeners go to SelenaZito.com and check out that New York Post piece I did. That has everything in it about 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 um, Fetterman that nobody else has reported. Well, you go to SelenaZito.com to go to all of her fabulous reporting, including the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, including the um, uh, including the Washington Examiner, uh, where uh, you'll see her column there and. Like I said, you might see her column someplace else, a little closer to home soon. <laughs> if we can make, if if we can get this thing done, you might start seeing it a lot more often. Um, I, that's as far as I'm going to go for the moment. But Selena Zito, thank you so much for being with us, for some, spending some time with us. We'll talk to you after the midterms too to find out what you think uh, of the outcome. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right, stay tuned for another message from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up right after this. Hi, folks. It's Ed Morrissey. One more time. I just want to get this in on Election Day. 
This is VIP week. We've got a lot of great stuff going on in VIP. We have the Amiable Skeptics with Adam Baldwin, uh, which is a great video series. And we do have one episode in the clear. We posted it yesterday afternoon. So if you look for the Amiable Skeptics, you'll get a chance to uh, sit and watch what you haven't been able to see before because it's been behind the paywall. Adam Baldwin, actor from you know, Firefly, from Chuck, from uh, Full Metal Jacket, started off in My Bodyguards, friend of mine, He's incredibly intelligent. He is very passionate and very amiable. And so we have great discussions every week and about about different uh, about different topics, usually tied to current events. This week's episode, the one that's in the clear, is about the midterms. You're going to definitely want to get Adam's um, perspective on the midterms and how they are the mama bear midterms, which I think is a great way to describe this. That's yesterday in VIP. You don't have to be a VIP member to watch that particular episode, but join if you join the VIP and VIP Gold Members Club, you will get a chance to see all of the episodes. You can go back and watch our previous episodes as well, as well as the ones that are coming on. You get a chance to read Dwayne Patterson. You get a chance to read Tom Jackson out of Tampa, Florida, who's a longtime reporter and columnist who's uh, giving us exclusive uh, insights into what's happening in Florida, which is key for this cycle and the next. Uh, so you're definitely going to want to read that. You're going to also get uh, VIP content from uh, from David Strom, from myself, from Jazz Shaw. Uh, other town hall media writers have uh, chimed in. Sam Jay did a VIP post for us yesterday. And of course, VIP Gold Chat with Cam Edwards every Wednesday afternoon. We're going to be doing that tomorrow as well. That will also be in the clear so people get a chance to see what it is that they're missing. And then after that, it's back behind the paywall. So this week only, this week only, you can sign up and save 45%. That's our best discount ever, 45%, by putting in the promo code VIPWEEK, all caps, all one word, VIPWEEK, and join our VIP and VIP Gold Membership Clubs. It's what allows us to make sure that we are not going to come under the thumb of big tech and advertisers and the DHS's uh, attempts to moderate and manipulate public uh, public debate and dissent. It's what keeps us independent. It's what keeps us working with you to make sure that America remains free and independent. So VIP week is the promo code 45% off this week only. Be sure to sign up. Thank you very much. And thanks for watching the Ed Morrissey Show.